What up? It's your boy Larry Harris Jr., a.k.a. Black Bobby. I'm coming to you for the second time today with the accuracy because the inevitable has unfortunately happened today, which is that Senator Bernard Sanders, my boy Bernie, has dropped out of the Democratic primary and conceded the race to Vice President Biden. Um, this is an unfortunate thing, but it was inevitable. I mean, this is, it's, we, the, we could read the tea leaves. You know, I, I knew that this election was over after Super Tuesday, actually. Um, it's just Joe Biden is a force in this election, no matter what you think about it. Uh, he definitely had wrapped up the nomination by Super Tuesday, basically. Um, so I'm glad Bernie is doing the right thing here. You know, obviously, he doesn't want to get accused again, like he did in 2016, of staying in the race too long. Um, so I'm glad he's getting out at an appropriate time before, you know, the boo, the boo birds can uh, get to flocking and all that kind of thing. Uh, and we make sure that Bernie preserves his legacy for a long time because he's a very important person. You know, one of the reasons why I love Bernie Sanders is because he's essentially been advocating for the same set of progressive policies his entire career, which you know, I love Bernie, but unfortunately, here in his late 70s, he's still ahead of his time, which is amazing to me. It's like he's been ahead of his time his entire career, from the civil rights movement to progressive policies in Ver Vermont to running for president in 2016 and 2020, always ahead of his time. Uh, the most popular politician in the country. I repeat, the most popular politician in the country. Um, unfortunately, more popular in the country than he is in the Democratic Party, which is just a, you know, I said before this primary, I'm not sure if you caught me, but I said this, I love Bernie, but I always believed he, he was, he had more of a chance of winning a general election against Trump than he did of winning the Democratic primary in 2020. And that's unfortunate. That's a shame. Um, you know, but I believed, and I said in the Huffington Post, that he would have beaten Hillary, uh, I'm sorry, he would have beat Trump in 2016. And he also, I believe, would have beat Trump in 2020. So, you know, the way I see it is the guy with the conviction, who I can believe in, his record is vouched for, he's been thoroughly vetted, vetted. he has progressive policies that I agree with. Also, he can win. I mean, that's a winning combination to me. I'm not sure why people don't like it. Um, you know, I wanted to address three mistakes that I think the senator made in his campaign this time around. Um, these things may seem, uh, I'm not sure if they're obvious or not, but uh, I'm going to give them to you anyway. So the first is, you know, not embracing basic income. Now, Senator Sanders, like Senator Booker, talked about a jobs guarantee. Um, and I know that's probably more socialist. Than or purely socialist than uh, basic income. But, I mean, look where Senator Booker's campaign went. That was just a losing issue for them. Um, you know, in contrast, Andrew Yang, wildly popular, running on basically one issue. I mean, he's the clips of the 2020 election, right? The one-issue rapper. He get up there, he talk about uh, basic income, people go crazy. You know, Bernie could have had the enthusiasm of the basic income crowd on his side but instead chose to support the jobs guarantee, I think that was a mistake. And now what we have is Bernie's calling for $2,000 a month 
for every citizen as long as the COVID-19 crisis is going on. Well, that's basic income, baby. So why didn't you embrace that earlier would be the question I would have for Senator Sanders. Why didn't you embrace uh, basic income, take the wind out of Andrew Yang's sails, uh, you know, you know, move on his uh, his support base from his flank, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, to me, um, basic income was a mistake. Uh, not supporting basic income was a mistake for Senator Sanders. The second would be uh, not having pay-fors for all of his programs like he did in 2016. You know, one of the things that really impressed me in 2016 about Senator Sanders' campaign was that he had pay-fors for nearly all of his programs, whether they be Medicare for All or free college or, well, you know, free college, that's such a misnomer, but uh, affordable college, et cetera. Um, you know, he had pay-fors for those programs. If you don't know what a pay-for is, that's Washington lingo for the ability for the government to pay for a program by either reducing some other program or raising taxes, but finding the uh, revenue for the program through budget budgeting um, is a pay-for. And so, Bernie had pay fors in 2016 that he just cold didn't have in 2020. I was like, the whole time I'm like, why are you letting these people ask you questions about how you're going to pay for Medicare for all when you had a pay for in 2016? I mean, what has changed so dramatically that we can't even just reference the old pay for or even maybe come up with some new ones if there are new ones? I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, I think some of it he was leaving to interpretation saying, you know, the wealth tax. And these other taxes that we're going to raise on Medicare for all, et cetera, on the wealthy speculation tax. You know, I think he was trying to leave it to your imagination and say, well, that's how we're going to pay for it. But being more explicit would have been very helpful because so many people are skeptical of something that seems so obvious to do, which is Medicare for all. But their skepticism is rooted in things that they can understand, like, oh, how are we going to pay for it? Well, if you have an answer for that, that would shut them up immediately. So let's move on to number three. Three would be... Um, you know, this is this is actually a learning lesson for myself also, because I've long believed in politics that the best way for Democrats to get elected to public office and get the most accomplished for Black people, for example, is to not be explicitly talking about how this program or this agenda benefits Black people. You know, I've always believed that. So, well, at least since I was in my 20s, you know, post-college kind of era, I believe that there were ways to talk around the issue. You know, like, for example, um, healthcare. You know, we have tremendously bad health outcomes in the Black community, underlying conditions. It's one of the reasons why COVID-19 is having such an impact on the Black community. Um, so on healthcare, to me, if you give everyone affordable healthcare or, you know, single-payer healthcare, uh, that, to me, is addressing a Black issue. But everyone doesn't see it that way. And I think it's a mistake in the climate that we're in, in the current time that we're in, to not explicitly say, and this is my third point, to not explicitly say, uh, this is my Black agenda. You know, it just has to be that way. Um, unfortunately, that's the way Black folks want it. Um, unfortunately, that's the way Black folks understand it. Like, if you don't say this specific program benefits Black people in this specific way, they assume that you're not trying to talk to them. Um, I don't assume the same thing, and I am Black, obviously, but you know, I understand policy a little bit more intricately, so it's easier for me to understand, okay, Bernie said uh, you know, we need uh, really affordable and accessible health care. That obviously benefits Black people. 
Bernie said we need a better road to education that's affordable, to a higher education that's affordable. That's obviously beneficial to black people. You know, Bernie said we need to roll back uh, the, oh, I'm sorry, instill new regulations on Wall Street to keep them from uh, doing a second housing crisis, for example. To me, that's obviously beneficial to black people. And I can, I can explain why, but maybe everyone doesn't see it the same way. Even if they were homeowners that lost their homes in the in the housing and financial crisis, maybe they just don't understand that you know Graham Leach, Bliley, Glass Steagall, those issues all really apply to Black people more than anybody. I mean, the root of that issue actually is redlining and uh, predatory lending. So you know, if if any issue that Bernie talked about has anything to do with Black folks, the Wall Street issues definitely do. We just don't see it that way. So my third point again. It's just that I think it's a mistake in this current climate, as long as we're in this kind of very divisive and racially charged era, to not say explicitly that this is my Black agenda. So those are my three points. Just, you know, not embracing basic income, not having pay-fors, and not explicitly explaining his Black agenda to America. Now, here's what I want to say about Bernie also. Bernie Sanders had the most donors in American history, over 2 million, 2.1 million individual contributions to his political campaign. That's the most in American history, more than President Trump, who also has a a huge donor base, but most in American history. Uh, He also had the most diverse coalition in the race. Um, Amongst any presidential candidate, Bernie Sanders' coalition was the most diverse. And I mean, socioeconomic, racial, gender, et cetera. Excuse me. Bernie Sanders had the most diverse coalition. Um, He was polling ahead of Trump, just like he was in 2016, polling ahead of Trump once again. Now, I want to say to everyone that believes that Bernie couldn't have won this race, the general, in 2020, or to everyone that thinks Biden is more electable than Bernie, Biden better win the election. You know? Just like Hillary should have won in 2016 after I voted for her, even though I did not want to, Biden better win the election. Because if you turn down a guy polling ahead of Trump twice, a guy with the biggest donor base in American history, a guy who's the most popular politician in the country, a guy who's got the most diverse coalition in the race, you turn all of that down for Joe Biden, Joe Biden better win the race, right? Otherwise, who would ever take the Democratic Party seriously again? I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not sure how you feel about it. But if they lose two consecutive elections, turning down the same man who has that kind of a resume for for, for candidates from the 90s who then lose the election... Would you then vote for a Democrat again in a third election? Would you still go out and rally the troops for the Democratic Party in a third election after those two? And you had the worst president you could imagine as the result? I mean, you guys hate Trump. Not all my listeners hate Trump, but most of my Democratic friends hate Trump. So, I mean, I don't know. That calculation you have to make on your own. Me? Third election, I don't think so. You're not even really getting me for the second election. I just want to point that out there. I always got accused 
when I was running United Leaders that I wanted to start my own political party. That's a very interesting accusation. First of all, we were nonpartisan. We were also, I guess, bipartisan in some way because we had both political parties at the time represented, even though I don't really believe in that dichotomy. So here's the thing about starting your own political party. I think it's rife. I think this is the time. If someone were to do it, I think it could take off, uh, I don't know about exponentially, but you saw what the Tea Party did. They didn't quite make it to their own political party, but at least they got enough power to change the direction of the Republican Party forever. So this is the time. If you're out there and you're thinking about starting a political party, you couldn't find a better time in American history from the progressive wing anyway. I'm sorry about conservatives, but definitely from the progressive wing. Uh, you couldn't find a better time to start your own political party. I mean, the Democrats are ripe for the fault. You know, they're they're probably going to lose again in 2020 and have egg on their face for two elections in a row. So what are you going to do? How are you going to act? You know, people are going to be looking for something else. They're going to be looking for different alternatives. Bernie people are fed up. Some of them even go vote for the Green Party already. Some of them went to vote for Trump. You know, we got crossovers. We got people leaving the Democratic Party. And maybe they come back because of the coronavirus and whatever people perceive as Trump handling this this, this uh, crisis. But I believe the Democratic Party is right for a fall. Now, I think something around Bernie's coalition plus more is where you want to go. You know, not necessarily, not necessarily socialism, but, you know, political parties come and go. Political parties come and go. You know, this is the time. So if you're looking out there, you're a progressive, you're a young political upstart, and you think, you know, maybe there's something else other than the Democratic Party. AOC said it herself. I mean, I think she said it herself. Like, why should she be in the same party as Joe Biden? You know, she doesn't have to be. So that's just food for thought. Anyway, it's your boy Larry Harris Jr., a.k.a. Black Bobby. Sad that Bernie Sanders will not be the Democratic nominee once again. And also telling you political parties come and go. Look to the future. Thank you very much.